0: I think that'll do. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Monster Baby Podcast. Monster Baby is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. We are mm-hmm.
1: your co-hosts. I'm Ted Demaison.
0: I'm Lisa Roland, and the topic of this podcast is silence. Mm. Yeah, evocative, eh?
1: Very evocative.
0: Silence can mean a lot of different things. We talk about it specifically with how it serves, how it serves improvisation, how it can be used in improvisation, and also what it does for us in terms of a mindfulness practice.
1: Yeah, we, we uh, got into Quaker silence as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, silence of different sorts and different depths.
0: Silence of the lambs.
1: It was a really bad conversation. Oh,
0: God. Oh, man. <laughs> throwing a pun in the intro. Uh,
1: will we just leave that alone? Oh,
0: please. Oh, no, no, no. we got to move on. Okay, we hope you enjoy this. We hope you enjoy this, oh, and uh, I don't think there's anything else we need to say about it.
1: No, I, listen, uh, listen for the metaphor of the silt. It'd
0: be tough to miss. It's like kind of a large, yeah. large portion of okay. it. All right, we hope you enjoy it. Listen on. Get get to it.
1: Thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah, enjoy. It.
0: We'll see you on the flip side.
1: This is a green light. Great. We're drinking tea.
0: We are drinking tea. We're at uh, your dining room table. That is correct. Um, Ted, how are you doing this morning?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. I, I have a bit of spry in my step today.
0: A sp- some spry in your step?
1: <laughs> spring in my step? Some spring in your step? I've got a, sp- a spry spring. Mm-hmm. And I attribute it to uh, two things. Yeah. One that uh, I had a good meditation this morning... Great, and the other that my nephew is coming to town today. My nephew from New Hampshire, and I'm oh, going to great. show him around the Bay Area, take him down to Stanford, take him up to Bats, take him up to Bats tonight. Nice. Uh, this is my nephew Tyler, and uh, so I'm just really excited. Awesome to get to see him come oh, out. That's
0: so great. So
1: that's I've been so great. busying about getting the house clean. I got some new pillows for the couch. Washed sheets for his bed. Sprucing things up. Spruce, spry, spring. Getting ready getting ready for the visitor. It's everything to do with spritz. spritz. Spritzing. <laughs> Great. Uh, and how are you today?
0: I'm good. I was just mentioning to you earlier that I'm not sleeping very well these days. Mm. I'm like waking up too early. And I don't know if it's because sometimes I drink beer before I go to sleep. Okay. And that makes me not sleep well. Um. Although I didn't drink very much last night, but I did have a delicious pear cider at the Unscripted Theater Company. They have an outstanding selection of beverages. Nice. FYI, should that factor into your decision to go see improv. Uh, and I saw a great show last night, but I woke up at like 6.30 or 6.45 unprompted after going to sleep at, you know, 12.30 or 1. Like, it's stupid. So I've been up for a long time this morning. mm and i cleaned i got rid of a lot of stuff from my apartment and okay cleaned and meditated and i feel pretty good about that but i'm just feeling it like i'm running in safe mode a little bit today i'm like taking it easy safe mode yeah as a bell you're not getting any of the bells and whistles today
1: now when you say that you woke up too early yeah what does that mean it means too i know that what?
0: i know that 6 hours is not enough sleep like hmm. I, kn- I i know that I woke up and I was like ready to be up, you know, I just feel like, oh, I might need a nap or something later. Cause it's been a few nights of that. Mm. And I just think in general, six hours is not enough sleep for
1: me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by that question because I, I think I used to think in terms of objective numbers for hours for my sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm now more like, well, when does my body want to get up? Yeah. And I like when I get up early, like, I like I'm being putting, up I'm early. Air, I'm using air quotes here. Too early. Yeah. Uh, because usually I, that means I get up and actually do stuff. Yeah. And then it's like 8 o'clock. I'm like, wow, I've already... Totally. into my day. Yeah. Cool.
0: And that's that definitely happened today. Yeah. It's like, got stuff done. Right. Got rid of stuff, cleaned up, vacuumed under the couch. I'm telling you. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm just reminded trying to whistle there. You and I went to a concert the other night. Yes. And I got called out. We were at a Johnny Swim concert at the Great American Music Hall. I got called out for not whistling.
0: Yeah, there was a part where we were supposed to whistle along with the musicians. And they were like, you, sir, you're very tall. I can see you. You're not whistling. He's like, I don't know how. <laughs> it was like such a sad moment. I got
1: totally called out. I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. But before we move on to our topic for the day in our yes. podcast, I want to just share with our listeners, we got some advice from our tea bags this morning. Yeah. Uh, and And... Yours was made sense, so will you share that with with our listeners?
0: Mine says, "I hear and I forget, I see and I remember, I do and I understand," which is credited to Chinese
1: proverb. Oh, that's we could throw anything in that catch bag.
0: I know, but I but it seems very apropos of Anima Learning, Ted's mm. company, Anima Learning, which is all about growth mindset, experiential learning, yes. trying things, improv principles positive reinforcement it's you know love it and it's very it's very uh, in, you know it's very grounded in the in the tradition that i take to teach improvisation as well
1: try it out like do g- it.
0: get them up doing stuff get i generally there. start classes not with talking but with getting up and interacting and games and i love that yeah
1: i do that more often now i used to start with intros mm-hmm. and like i almost i give them just this tiniest snippet. Yeah. Just of, hello.
0: You're in the right place. You're safe. Here's what we're going to do. Find a partner.
1: <laughs> that's how I, that's how I go about it now. Right. Yeah. But so here's, here's the one I got. This is from Yogi Tea. So I kind of had some high expectations for this. Yeah. Only share your strengths, not your weaknesses.
0: There is an, there is an interpretation of that that I understand, but in general
1: I am so what's the inter- for me? This sounds like hide yourself away. You have things to be ashamed of. Yeah,
0: hide the things you're ashamed of. Don't let I them think, see. Yeah, know. right. No, I don't. I don't agree with it. It feels like I think there's a lot of power in sharing your weaknesses because yeah. I think it's sharing vulnerabilities. And and there's I have found great strength in in allowing myself to be vulnerable with people right. and tell and own own my weaknesses and shortcomings and own them out loud and kind of. Not hide them away. Thank you. Yeah,
1: I think you should. We should get a quote. Would you like to give us a quote for a yogi tea? So I'm going to go to yogi tea tomorrow, and I'm going to send them a quote. And I'm going to say, "This is from Lisa Roland, the great Lisa Roland."
0: This is from Monster Baby, uh, and the quote says, "When you try fresh
1: perspectives, your perspective will be fresher." <laughs>
0: See? That, people would pay for it.
1: That's high-quality stuff. Okay, so yeah. I'm not just going to share my strengths. I'm going to share my weaknesses. I, there's something about this. I thought they were going in a positive reinforcement direction, like concentrate on your strengths or you know, look feed the strengths. But I could way. see
0: if somebody's like, you know, like I could imagine that being appropriate, for instance, if it was like, oh, one of my weaknesses is that I love to gossip. I love gossip. Right. Or I love uh, yeah, like talking negatively about people or I'm, um, you know, whatever. Like I could imagine there's ways in which it's like, yeah, well, give people the stuff that you are the most proud of. Don't give, don't give them the, you know, don't, don't bring it into the room. But so there's kinds of sharing that I think are very positive and there's kinds of sharing that I think are not.
1: I think weakness and tenderness often get linked together, or at least there's some overlap if you were to do a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not sharing any of your weaknesses, you're not sharing your tenderness, if you're not sharing your tenderness, you're not going to be able to be intimate. You're not going to be able to be close to people. Hmm. That's what I submit. So Yogi T, I reject your notion.
0: <laughs> Yogi T, should stand corrected.
1: You stand corrected, Yogi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not not I stand corrected. Stand
0: corrected in mountain pose. Okay,
1: and uh, and as is usual, we have our friend Luna the cat here who is enjoying her new catnip carrot.
0: Oh, That's why she's rubbing her face all over it.
1: That's right. Uh, She is embracing the carrot and occasionally kicking it And now she's sitting there proudly with it. She's she has conquered it. She's conquered it
0: So you may hear from her as usual exactly miss Luna.
1: So okay We have a really interesting topic that Lisa has brought to us today. I had not heard of this before No, I just showed up and thought
0: I think it would be interesting to talk about silence Hmm well played Well played, sir. Silence, as it, as it relates or shows up in both improvisation and mindfulness, because I think it's a pretty powerful, I think it's a pretty powerful tool. I think it shows up center stage in both, or could show up center stage in both.
1: I love this topic. Great. Tell and, me,
0: so tell me why you love it.
1: Okay. First reason I love it, when I see improv scenes or shows yeah. where there is a lot of silence, inevitably they're deeper. Uh-huh. they're they're like they get to something real, and so yeah. when I if I'm directing a scene, uh, I often like to say, let's start with thirty seconds of silence yeah and then people notice things they pay attention to their space object work, they notice each other yeah there's stuff that happens in the like eye contact in that silence that is electric and then the audience is participating in a way we don't need the words. the words are just like. Uh, 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 uh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often the talking is a covering up of fear, I think, mm-hmm. and the silence communicates to the audience and to the other performers, we're fine, yeah, we're good.
0: There's this fear, I think. There's this right, which th- so this fear makes sense in, a, in a, on this deep human level of like a time is a lot time. Time seems to take a lot longer when you're in front of people than when you're not. So silence can seem interminable, like right. it can seem eternal. And, and, and the expectation that we carry to being on stage is that we better do something interesting. And so it is real hard to trust this is interesting. Like, you don't need to do much to be interesting to an audience, partly because they are busy writing a story about what's going on before you've ever said anything. Yes. So they're working, they're working in your silence. Just, you're giving them plenty of information just in giving them something to watch.
1: And you, we may not even know what we're doing on stage and yet the audience is seeing. So like I, you know, we're sitting in silence and I blink and the audience, ooh. What did
0: that, that mean? That meant something. Yeah.
1: But it, it gives them time because the, the words are kind of shiny, right? They're like reflective mirror objects that just kind of, ooh, catch our attention because mm-hmm. they, they glitter and we miss the subtleties. But well, they're also like the, uh, sorry. Uh, so we, we just miss the subtleties that are happening in the nonverbal.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you were gonna say they're also.
0: Well, I just think that they are our. Uh, we so often rely only on them, yes. and I think a lot of improv relies only on them. Like I've got this great, I've got this great idea, and I'm gonna tell you what it is. And now we were both talking about my great, this great idea, you know, like we and and exploring it. But a lot of you know we call them talking head scenes where you're just kind of standing there, talking. Right. We come to rely on words at the expense of all of the other things that we have that are giving us information. And yeah. So it's nice to remember that it's like wait, there's, there's more happening here beyond what's being said.
1: Uh, So there are things
0: that are being said non-verbally.
1: Here's another reason why I love this topic. Yeah. Because I think that that is all of what we've said so far, totally true on stage. I think it's true off stage as well in our friendships in partnerships in dating Mm -hmm. work colleagues. Like, I love it when people can be silent together yeah. or can be silent with me, I think something else happens. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we could just be in the same room. We're both reading a book or we're both working on our homework or we're both... Or we're walking and not saying anything. walking and just noticing... The world. Something else is going on, you know? It always makes me a little, I want to say, I was going to say nervous, but maybe that's not the right word. Just uncomfortable if people can't be silent. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's tiring. Mm-hmm. Ye old introvert. Yes. Rears his head. Yes. Ted requires a little
0: bit more Stop space. Talking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I love it. I love, I love quiet. Yeah. It's a nice thing. Yeah. Uh, so okay, and then I think yeah, I think there's plenty for us to go into with mindfulness and spirituality, and so maybe we'll get get around to that. Sure. Well, say more about what like when you came up with this notion, or this notion came to you. What, what were you tickled by?
0: Well, I think that there is... Uh, silence provides opportunity. And it f- can feel like nothing's happening when really a lot can happen. Hmm. And so... And I think that's true in both mindfulness and, and improvisation. That it silence provides us opportunity if we... If we put ourselves in the mindset of being in the silence rather than trying to get done with it. Right. You know, so, for instance, I feel like starting a scene with thirty seconds of silence, well, you can make that silence mean that you can fill that silence with attention, noticing each other, noticing the world, letting being affected, or you can just kind of wait for the scene to start right you and can approach it, that silence in very different ways, yeah, and
1: then the scene goes back to being a regular scene, and then the scene we, go back
0: like the silence didn't right. change a thing, it didn't right. help people get grounded or connected or whatever um. There was a there are a couple of things in improv that are like lighting me up about silence right now, and they, they actually came from a couple of shows that I recently did. Improv Playhouse of San Francisco recently did a ten show run at the Aurora Theater Company in Berkeley, which you know Ted because you videotaped a lot of those shows and were there for so many of them. Um, but there were a couple of times when silence showed up on stage. Mm-hmm. And I found myself realizing what a gift that silence was. One of them was the gift that my partner gave me in staying silent. Mm-hmm. So my partner, Timor, gave me a he asked me a question. And and I started talking it was all about doing something that feels really right to do. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about kissing some really attractive man sometime in my character's in my character's past.
1: Yes. What was his name again? His name was Rashid. Rashid, yes. yes and he and, was
0: beautiful and so i like described him and i described how how we ended up meeting and kissing and 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 so i was describing this and i realized that tim wasn't saying anything like he was staying silent the silence allowed him to really be affected by the words that i was yes, saying
1: yes
0: and it allowed me to sink into this moment and give the memory and the telling of it Real depth and weight, right? And I think that that my belief is that the hardest part of getting monologues to happen in improv is for the people who are not monologuing to shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. to, is like we don't practice leaving space for each other, right? And that's that is the most important ingredient if we're going to have monologues is yes. that we leave space for each other. We're so we're so ready to hop on and support and oh there's somebody out there well they need somebody with them like I don't want to leave them out on a limb or they're starting to talk well let me let me dive in and explore that more it's all very well intentioned but but it robs of robs us of this opportunity to take a moment and live a little bit more deeply in it right so so that silence was such a gift and then there was another oh yeah Yeah, I want to pause you on that one Yeah, yeah because
1: that's a lot like When we have done workshops or when I've led workshops where we do this thing called deep listening Uh where one person gets two minutes to talk. So we might have a question like, you know, what, what was your favorite place when you were a kid Mm -hmm. to go? What was a place that was magic for you? And one person gets two minutes and the other person just listens. They don't ask questions. They don't respond. Just listen with their full presence. And then you trade and then the next person gets their two minutes and in that space, like you're saying, something else emerges. And oftentimes when people, oh, I'm done, I'm, it's a minute and a half, but I'm done. And we say, okay, go ahead and just be silent together. And then, oh, here's something else that emerges that I want to say in response. Mm-hmm. That I, I love that you know, image. It's almost like, well, it's just an empty space that something can step into. Yeah. Right? It's unbidden. It's like, oh, there it is. It surfaces. surfaces. You give it time yeah. to surface. Yeah. So yeah. Tim was doing that for you.
0: Yeah. So it gave me time to really live this experience. It gave him an opportunity to just allow himself. It's like I'm imagining w- dry ground soaking water in, you know, just yeah. like, oh, just like absorb what I was saying. Because it, it really was affecting his character as right. well. Yes. And then later on in that show, my character had been propositioned, basically. And I, and I wasn't sure what to do. I really wasn't sure. As an improviser, I I wasn't. You as
1: an improviser or the character? Both. Okay. I
0: really didn't know what to do, and there was a little bit of anxiety around Lisa, the improviser. Not I was like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to respond. Like, I don't know. It wasn't supposed to. I know there's no supposed to, but I was like, what's the stronger choice here, or Mm -hmm. you know, is there is there one that would might create a more compelling dynamic or story or something? So I didn't know what to do as an improviser. My character certainly didn't know what to do. She was also conflicted. There was this moment where the per- person who propositioned me it was an amazing actor named Kat Zidane, who was in our in our in- improv playhouse. Left the stage, kind of gave me the gave me the choice. Left the stage, and I was alone on stage. And I had this realization that it's perfect that I don't know what to do because that's what this time is for—is figuring it out. I now I get to think about it, and. Think about what the
1: to do. Silent, little that little silent, little bit of silence. That little bit of silence.
0: I was alone on stage, and to the credit of my partners, of the other, of my castmates, they didn't come right on. They didn't mm. fill that space. They mm. let me ruminate for a second and figure out how I was feeling about, about this option that was in front of me. And I, my character got to figure it out along with me, the improviser. And mm-hmm. I really got to be informed and affected by the circumstances that we had already built into the story and reflect on what those were. And then make the choice that seemed to make the most sense, and and ultimately it was not it. I was not led by what would make this a more compelling story. Right. It was very much what would my character do right now, and I and I figured out I was able to think the thoughts and feel the feelings of my character, Hmm. which I think is the goal.
1: So it it felt like the silence fed you or allowed
0: me to do that. Yeah, allowed me to to puzzle it out and reflect and. Go forward in a way that felt authentic.
1: So you all in your workouts. Do you cultivate that silence? We practice silence. You practice it. Mm-hmm. So
0: how do you practice it? So we'll practice doing scenes where one person stays silent. And the other person monologues. Mm, okay. So we'll we'll do that.
1: But that other person is still on stage. Still, still engaged, on stage. You
0: know. Yeah. We'll literally practice having somebody say something. And there being a long silence afterwards. And we've practiced pushing the length of the silence. Right. Like making it really long mm-hmm. and in some ways that's cool because even if in workouts we make it way longer than it has ever been on stage we're like building our capacity to yes. tolerate silence
1: which is i love it yeah is it, you're turning your attention to the empty space and it reminds me of uh when i learned to draw as a kid did you ever take drawing lessons no but so, you know, the the teacher would have us draw a hand, or, or you know, left hand, if, you, if I was right-handed. I'd draw my left hand. And, of course, when I'm drawing, I'm, like, drawing my fingers, right? And it comes out, and it's okay. It's whatever. It's fine. And then she said, okay, I want you to do another one. Put that sheet away. I want you to do another one. This time I want you to draw the space between your fingers mm. and concentrate on that space between the fingers. And it came out, and it was like... So much more lifelike, mm. so much more vivid, the shape of the hand. Yeah. yeah. By concentrating on the, it's called negative space, by right. concentrating on the negative space, it improved somehow. Yeah. And it sounds almost like that's what you're doing, right? You're yeah. saying we're going to turn our attention, we're going to identify the outlines of this silence. So now, the words are going to pop into new life, and the, there's going to be new meaning, yes. new freshness. to The that.
0: the only way that I so if we were to use this metaphor, the only way that this metaphor doesn't track for me is which I get it and I I like it is that negative space is where things aren't, and silence is not where nothing's happening. Silence is just where there's no words.
1: R- okay. Yes. Right. But like Look, I-
0: silence should always be an option. Like silence is just as valid an option as saying something, yes. but we never practice choosing it out of the toolkit.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, and I think, I think it's still, the analogy still holds because when you're drawing the negative space, yeah. it's not that there's nothing, it, you're drawing that.
0: The negative space. The negative space. It is yeah. what it is, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: the same thing is true in music too, Uh huh. right? So there's, I forget who I first heard it from, but the notion of Paying attention Rests. to the space between the notes. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. the music is in the space between the notes. Yeah, like, hmm, that's yeah. Well, that was, it was such those those scenes were lovely, uh, and you all do a, do a very skillful job of uh, playing with silence when you're doing your shows. It, it's fun to watch.
0: It, thank you. It takes. Um, I think it takes really concerted attention on the part of everybody involved, because we all individually need to be comfortable sitting in silence on stage. We also really need to be comfortable leaving silence for others, leaving space, because sometimes the moment is heavy and just needs time to sit there. And trusting that something's happening even when nothing's being spoken is I think a practice. I can, yeah, I can, we can increase our, our like I said our
1: tolerance for that. And uh, moved, maybe even move from tolerance to embrace and embrace to celebrate and mm-hmm, yeah. you know and and I'm reminded also of the ways that you know our culture now is I would even say afraid of silence mm-hmm. right and for many people silence is scary. Mm-hmm. In real life, because when they were a kid, it was a punishment or they were shamed into silence or they were forced into silence. It was a punishment. Don't tell us what you think, right? Kids are supposed to be seen and not heard. And and so now it's like, no. no." There's a
0: difference between being silenced and embracing silence. Yeah. Yeah. And in
1: in that dot .B mindfulness course we use with teenagers, we call it strong silence. Mm. So we encourage the kids to say, this is not us telling you to be quiet. This is when we're choosing to meditate, when we're choosing to to practice mindfulness, it's you choosing to be silent for your own well-being Mm -hmm. and for the well-being of those around you. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that notion of strong silence is important to, to emphasize. But I think our culture, you know, we've got our cell phones, we've got our music, we've got... T V. We've got I mean there's so many people I know who there's just something always playing in their house. There's always some noise. Yeah. Uh, some sound, whether it's conversation or entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it does take time to develop that muscle of like, okay, I'm gonna get comfortable with silence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I think that that's part of why a lot of people have trouble with with meditation. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, how do I... Sit? But what
0: happens? And and
1: if I'm sitting here, then I'm going to hear all the voices in my head.
0: Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to drown out with all of this noise.
1: That's right. Yeah. Or in my head or in my heart. Yeah.
0: Or even, you know, I find that, that my experience in starting to meditate was not that I was afraid of the voice... Sometimes when I don't want to meditate, it's because there's something I do not want to look at. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty clear. It's like, if I, it is too painful to sit with this right now. I'm not sitting. Something prickly. <laughs> yeah, like there's something that like, I really don't want to face problems in relationships, things that I have not faced myself or haven't defined yet, but I know that I need to. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not ready to do it. It's like, don't want to sit with it. I'm not interested no. in letting that surface right now so sometimes it's willful but but other times and like when i first started it was like it wasn't the it wasn't being scared of the voices that would come up it wasn't like oh god but now i need to face my shame it wasn't that it Mm. was like but there but what does it even mean like i don't even know if anything's gonna be there or like i don't know there's uh, the fear is that like it almost doesn't compute
1: like it's just a waste of time kind of thing
0: well, I'm not sure I can't hmm. I can't articulate it
1: mm-hmm.
0: like I don't I don't connect with being afraid of hearing things I don't want to hear or afraid of replaying memories that I don't want to replay it D- didn't feel like f- that kind of fear or I don't want to be revealed to myself right. I'm trying to distract myself from these things it, it 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 was more like but but if maybe a fear that there that that what, what is, is it, it
1: is it like a so what Okay, so so we did that. Yeah. What? What now?
0: No, no. Okay. It's like, it's like, oh God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna keep thinking about it, and we'll come back to yeah. this. Well, we'll just let
1: it. We'll just put it in the yeah side in bed. the percolator. Yeah.
0: We're gonna just see if it percolates out into being something actually meaningful. <laughs> or...
1: I when I sit, when I sit, part of it for me is being silent, and part of it is choosing to be still, and I think that there's also a silence of movement too, yes, yeah, right? yeah. to say stay still. And I really experience it like a settling of a, a jar full of sand, or I don't know if we've used this analogy here, or like mm. the snow globes. Like,
0: yeah, or like silt on the bottom of a lake or right. something. Right, because like yeah. usually
1: they're just kind of all shaken up. And just by sitting, it kind of slowly, slowly swirls down and... Usually it takes about, for me, about 15 minutes or 20 minutes of just sitting for it to still. And then if I stay and I keep sitting, then a different quality of the thoughts that emerge and then that I might let go of or, or play with a little bit are, are of a different quality. Mm-hmm. They, they're brighter insights or more original connections or like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, that come out of that stillness. Yeah. You know, and and I just, I love that settling. And so if nothing else, it's not like I'm, maybe I should be, but I'm not like trying to reach enlightenment through my meditation at this point. Yeah. It's more like. Should.
0: I like that you threw a should in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I generally don't traffic in shoulds. Right. But, uh or try not to. But the, the notion of, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to settle the silt. Yeah. And then...
0: That's so interesting. I was um, reading a book called Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. Yeah.
1: when is it When Things Fall Apart? When
0: Things Fall Apart. And a little blue book. I was reading it just last night and she talked about that metaphor of a lake with free of ripples so it's perfectly calm and all of the silt has fallen to the bottom and it means you can see everything that's in the lake yes and when the silt is kicked up you don't know what's in there maybe that's the thing is like the silence is like i don't know what's in there but i don't really want to find out mm-hmm. i'm not sure what's going to come up i don't know but i don't need to i don't need to know I, right. i'm just going to stay out of that lake you know or stay on my motorboat on the top of it or whatever yeah. it is and and that there's this but the thing that connected with me connected me was connected that I connected with was that when the silt settles, even the stuff that you you don't like, right? Or the stuff that you wish were different, at least when, when everything settles, you can see it all. Mm. Like there's a, there's a, maybe it's a little bit of like devil you know is better than the devil you don't or, right. or you know, what you know you can master. What you, if you know that it's there. Well then we have some hope of addressing it. Right. But if we don't know it's there we're just run around by it kind of blindly. Right. And so letting the silt settle and then it's like looking through this clear water and being like, "Oh, there are old boots in here, but also fish and, you know, <laughs> r- mud and rocks and and garbage." Right. There's garbage, but now we can see that so we could take it out of the lake. We could clean right. it up.
1: And yeah, and if we're living according to Yogi Tea, we won't ever show that to somebody No,
0: else. don't show. Take that garbage and hide it don't away. Show the boots. Don't, don't show, show the,
1: anybody the boots that have been at the bottom of the lake. That's right. Uh, yeah, I like that. That's that's a nice expansion of that metaphor. It's interesting to me that my my first experience of extended silence came not through meditation but through Quaker practice. Mm-hmm. And I just love. I love, love, love Quaker tradition around silence, which is that so wor- meeting for worship is mostly silent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some some meetings, it's all silent, and so it's just you go in at whatever ten o'clock, and you sit down, and it's quiet.
0: And then, like at eleven, you get up and leave. And that's right. Wow. So and, you just come together to be in silence. Yes.
1: And and the notion is that you only speak if you feel compelled to speak by God or by spirit. And so every now and then, somebody will stand up and say something. Maybe they'll speak for five seconds. Maybe they'll speak for 30 seconds. Maybe they'll speak for a couple minutes. But then they sit down and it's silent again.
0: Wow. That's interesting.
1: And so in in when it's... I mean, I suppose it's always done correctly, right? But when people are really dropped into that silence, it's so beautiful because as we were saying before with your scene work, the words that come out of that are profound and people are connecting to something that is larger than them and there's a group wisdom that happens and, you know, but even if it's an hour where nobody says anything, there's just this shared having been together that's beautiful. Yeah. It feels so great. And uh, so, and yeah.
0: it, is there any expectation about what, ha- there's no expectation around what happens in that silence, like what we individually
1: are doing? Uh, that you would be in general still, that you're not distracting other people. Yeah. But most people are sitting. And you're just
0: noticing to see if God calls you. That's right. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And of course, sometimes, you know, you're like lo- looking out or... the window or like checking out the curious guy with the eyebrow hair over there or you know, looking at the cutie in the and the other on the, in the the on the left side of the bonnet
0: on the left side of the
1: bonnet, right? There's not a whole lot of artwork in Quaker spaces. It's very simple, so they also have simplicity. So, uh-huh. like, you don't have stained glass windows, or it's just like a simple room, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's something that comes out of it that's really cool. That's really cool. And and they run. This was also true, right? So they run their meetings for business that way too. So the assumption is silence. And then it's like when you have something to say, when you feel moved by spirit to say something related to the business at hand, you speak. Wow. Yeah. It's really cool. So it feels like it's going really slow and yet it's super efficient. I, I There was one summer where I worked at a Quaker summer camp and we ran our faculty meeting or uh, staff meetings that way. Uh-huh. It was amazing how effective they were yeah we just didn't need to talk a whole lot we came to decisions quickly we had good back and forth wow conversations or like disagreements but they're always informed by that silence yeah it was really great really interesting yeah that's cool um so that's not necessarily mindfulness and yet well it's, it's a history right it's a history with a deep deep tradition of silence yeah right? and so usually when i would talk about when I was teaching religious studies, I would talk about each religion has its own expertise. And so it's like, if you want to learn about forgiveness, check out Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to learn about dedication and submission to a larger being, uh, or surrender, I should say, is a better word, look at Islam. Mm-hmm. Right? And I would say, okay, in Buddhism, if you want to learn about mindfulness and attention to the moment, check out Buddhism. Cool. And so with Quakerism, I'd say, yeah, if you want to know about silence or commitment to social justice... Yeah, look Quaker. at the Quakers. Yeah. Right. There's there's only 100,000 Quakers in the U.S. Wow. And you think about their impact on U.S. history, and yeah. it's pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. Far outpaces their numbers. Wow,
0: cool, super cool.
1: Anything else you want to say about silence?
0: I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, the one thing that I'll say... Yeah, I do have something to say. Yeah, I do too. See, look at that. We just took
1: a little bit of silence and the things came. Okay, go for it. You you go first.
0: Just that in my life, I find silence to be very restorative. And I think part Mm -hmm. of that is that I live a pretty loud life in some ways, in that I live a lot of my work requires a lot of output. I'm talking a lot. I'm talking a lot. (laughs) And so. And I like it. I'm a talker. I like that. I I process externally. I need to hear my thoughts spoken out loud to even understand what they are. Like that. That's kind of how it works. But there are times when I get home and I just like this morning. I was I drank my cup of coffee and just sat on the floor and like just didn't. I just put my phone down. I wasn't on my computer. I just like focused on drinking this cup of coffee and n- just notice, just notice mm-hmm. the moment, look, noticed where the cats were, noticed what the light was like in the room. I just like, shut up for a second, mm-hmm. you know? And it does feel like words count as not silent, right? Like if you're taking right. in processing words, typing words, whatever, all that stuff that feels like it's, it's busying the mind instead of just letting it notice. And like, for me it feels like a like a, a neurological exhale.
1: Oh, interesting. It's almost like a dream or something in the way we when we sleep. But you said it's restorative. Yeah, yeah. restorative. What is it restoring?
0: Like my my resources. Like it, it's like it just lets mm. me kind of get back down to here I am, here I am. It's mm-hmm. just like me right here. And I don't, I, because I get, I get swept away into moments. That's the truth. I get swept away into moments, opportunities, projects. I get taken away like really, really easily. Mm. And, and when I'm really, really busy, when there's a lot of stuff going on in my, my world, it's like I forget, I have completely lost center. Mm. Like I, I'm, I don't even take time to touch back, touch home. Mm-hmm. And that is so important. To me, I have found to keep me moving in directions that I intend to be moving in, that are satisfying and right. fulfilling. And so, having a second to just like, so this morning in that silent bit, I'm planning this my a birthday party coming up, and I I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I need to ask for help with this, mm. and I knew it, I knew what I had to ask for help with. I knew who I'm going to ask. for. You know, it's, it was like, oh right, I'm going to give this to somebody, and it, it helped me see that. It, yes. g- it gave me time to like. Recognize what was happening in in on that project and what I needed to do to yeah. to help myself.
1: So again, it's it, that that space is creating a uh, a possibility for the clearer insight to emerge. Yeah. How how long does that usually take you? Like, do you have a minimum amount? Like of ten time? minutes. Yeah.
0: When I can, if I don't have the ten minutes, I'll sit for five, and that feels good. But it kind of feels like the five are just like. Like getting, getting settled, and then it's like okay, now the silt is starting to settle, and then the the next vibe is like sitting in the clear, in the clear, in the clarity
1: a little bit. This is this was the other thought I had, which is taking this. So we're talking about what's the minimum, Uh, and I'm fascinated by what happens on silent retreats. Yeah, right. So I've done a three day silent retreat, five day, seven day. I have friends who've done three months or six months or you know.
0: I have a cousin who lived for three years in silence. Three years. I mean, she like built a cabin and well, she may have stopped short of her three years, but nonetheless, my right.
1: And in these in these formal settings, I I think we've discussed this before. But it's not just not saying words; it's also not reading, not writing, not writing, not even looking at people Mm -hmm. in the eye. Right. So it's called noble silence. And so just tuning in to your experience or your own thoughts or what's happening. And a similar thing of this richness for me, this richness emerges. And my struggle on retreats has been like, but I'm having all these great ideas. Can yeah. I share them with people? Because this that silent space is is yeah. creating something. But it it lasts. It's got a long echo. When I can take that long of silence, mm-hmm. the silt stays settled. For longer, for longer, it takes more to kick it up. That's right.
0: That's interesting. So this is interesting because when you talk about doing a three or a five day silent retreat, the that feeling that I was trying to articulate earlier comes up in me of like, oh god, oh god, like (laughs) it's not even right. But the thing is, I'm not. It's I don't feel consciously. It's not a conscious level of fear about what about a specific thing that I would find or uncover. It's just like, I don't even know. I don't even understand that. I don't even understand what would happen or what that would be like. And so maybe it's the unknown that is scary. Hmm. I don't know what would happen. Right. I don't know. And I'm afraid it would be uh, very uncomfortable and I'd be locked there.
1: Now, you did a retreat, a solo retreat. Yeah. uh, A couple of weeks ago, right? Or a couple of months ago.
0: It was almost a year ago. It was Feb- March. it was in March. Wow. Okay. yeah, maybe April
1: but but, but it was so a long you time went ago. and took a couple of days on your own. Maybe June it was months ago. somewhere. yeah. Yeah, uh, up in
0: at uh, the Ananda.
1: right. and were you were you silent there?
0: I was de facto silent because <laughs> I was staying at this meditation or retreat center with and the other people who were staying. It was like i I could rent this little tent cabin. It was like very sweet, and I stayed by myself. And the other people who were on the grounds at the time was this group of 12 people who were there together on a silent on retreat. retreat. So the only other human beings in the vicinity were silent. So I didn't intend yes. for it to be a right. silent retreat, but there was not a soul to talk to. And was
1: that, was that freaky? I or? loved okay, it. Okay, so yeah, that's interesting.
0: I loved it, but I also got to read. I brought my guitar. I played guitar.
1: Uh, did you sing? No. Okay.
0: No. I don't think so, mm-hmm. but I loved taking hours to read, and I like had a crossword book puzzle. I had my journal. Like I, I was reading about meditation. They mm-hmm. had a little library mm-hmm. that I was checking out. So I was, I was, leaving the space that it felt good to let those things take yes. up. So I wasn't silent and free of stimul- of external stimulation, right. But it was silent. And the silence I actually really, really loved. I, which I didn't think I would because yeah. of my intensely extroverted nature. Right. But I remember being relieved that I didn't have to worry about where I should sit at lunch
1: mm-hmm.
0: or at meals. Like, where should I sit? Should I sit at a table where somebody else already is? Or should I go sit at a table where nobody is? It's like, nobody cares. Nobody's even going to notice me. Yes. Oh, but I had a very funny experience. Can I tell you about it? Yeah, no, I'm have just, time? I, I just
1: want to admit, I think that's one of the gifts of being on a silent retreat. Yeah. A committed one is that you're relieved of the social pressure. Yeah. You don't have to a... try to impress anybody. I was like really surprised because yeah. I was
0: like, I thought I liked that stuff.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what, what were you going to...
0: So I had this very funny experience where on my second day there, there was like this little, it's, hike is too strong a word, but this little walk through the woods, like the men's Anita...
1: Yeah, I'm glad you clarified because I wouldn't want you to say a hike.
0: Say if I did not deserve, if it did not deserve the word hike. No,
1: it was not rigorous. Enough. No, no,
0: but I, so I, I went on the, a hikelet <laughs> through the, through the Manzanitas. It was so beautiful. There was a time where the path kind of went over rocks and I found it on my way there, no problem. And then it, it kind of surfaced at this knoll and I could, there was 360 degree view. It was really beautiful. It was short, you know, it was like yeah. a half an hour there or something like that. And then I turned to come back, and it was nearing sunset. Mm. So the sun was like I went up there specifically for around sunset time, and it was coming back.
1: You're in the gloaming now.
0: I'm in the gloaming. Mm-hmm. Bonus points for that vocabulary Thank word. You. And I lost the trail. Ooh. Because it there was that time when it went over these like rocky. Sure. And I, so I like tried a couple of times, and I kept going back to the place where I knew where the trail was, like back to the last known place. And then trying a new thing, and then looking around and trying a new thing, and I couldn't find it. And it's like these like thick groves of manzanita, so I couldn't see through it very well. Certainly not to see where a trail would be. It's not like the forest, right? So I like started to get a little panicked because it's mm. getting dark. Right. I didn't have a f- flashlight. Maybe I had a flashlight. I think I actually did bring a flashlight. Thank you, Girl Scouts. Okay. Um, but I and I realized. I was like, okay, what happens if you cannot find your way back? Nobody on that retreat grounds has been looking at me. Like, they might not even realize right. that there was someone else here that has not shown up for dinner. Sure. Or breakfast the next day. Or, you know, right. and then I was like, Lisa, you could yell and, and they'd hear you. Like, it, you I wasn't that far away. <laughs> but, right. Um, but it was this funny moment where I was like, I've never been in a group of people that I... Would fear wouldn't have noticed that I was there.
1: (laughs) You are usually pretty noticeable. I kind
0: of, you know, but I, but these people, it's their job not to notice me. Right. And I, the only, and I, it was just so funny to realize that I was lost on this hike and then was like, oh, actually, (laughs) it wouldn't have any clue that I, that there was anything out of place. They just wouldn't have even noticed.
1: The wave would just continue on. Yeah. The silent wave. Yeah. I, uh, uh, when you were talking before, I was thinking maybe there's like different levels of silence, right? So there's like, there's just the I'm gonna not talk,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I'm still gonna have ambient whatever music, and there's there's value in that. Yeah. And then there's like, okay, I'm not gonna talk, I'm not gonna have sound around me uh, that I'm in putting it, putting it into yeah. the place, but I'll still read, or or write or watch something right and then there's
0: occupy yourself somehow yeah and then there's
1: like okay let's put that away but i'm still by myself and then there's shared silence for a period of time and then there's shared extended silence Mm -hmm. it's like each of these you know here we go with another spectrum right yeah they're adding different value and any one of them along the way can help the silt settle to a different degree, yeah, right? But when we get, the more we dive into that. Do you think that that
0: shared silence helps silt settle more than solo silence does? I do. Interesting. And I don't know why. Yeah. Uh,
1: Often when I'm teaching mindfulness practice, people will say that like, it's so much easier for me to follow my breath when we're here in class and we're all doing it together than it is for me at home. There's just something about... God,
0: that's so funny. When I'm in a room full of other people, I am so intriguing. curious about what they're doing.
1: Even with your eyes closed? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there's something about shared intention or shared purpose. And so it's why at the end of a silent retreat, five days, seven days, you haven't been talking to these people, but you feel really intimate. Yeah. Or I should say, I have felt very intimate. Like. Yeah, I, I got to look over people, people like, yeah, hey, you. I know, yeah, thanks. I've been that was sitting great. in the
0: same room with you for five days.
1: You know, way don't to know be there together. Name. Yeah. yeah. Would you say you don't? Don't want... know your name. Oh, I thought you said, don't want to urinate. <laughs> don't want to urinate.
0: I can't comment on that.
1: <laughs> I mean, after seven days, that's you know, it's a lot of pee. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I I, I want to experiment with this too.
0: I like this silt settling. That's cool. Yeah. For me, it feels like the like shared silence is so much harder than solo silence. Interesting. Because I don't have the drive to talk when I'm all by myself. Right. But I have the drive to talk if we're together. Or like to check in with you or see what's yeah. going on. Or yeah. find out what, how you're doing. Or have a thought and want to share it with you or whatever. So it feels like the power of shared silence is getting practice at, and building a capacity for like, I know you have this drive. Feel it and then let right. it go, you know, yeah. and then there's value in that process But but that may not be the same for other people. No,
1: I, I love this distinction This is an extrovert introvert distinction because for me, it's like sounds like oh home
0: Whew. And I'm like, okay, it's like going to the gym It's like all right,
1: we're going in. It's okay. You can make it through this and that's what I feel like when I go into a setting where it's like, okay I just had my 20th graduate school reunion last week. I was like, okay here we go. Give neck cracking. You know, here we go. Come on, baby. Go talk to Brad. Here we and go. Now,
0: and now go into like a sensory deprivation chamber for 48 hours afterwards. I, got, I like, kind of had to do that. Yeah, allow yourself to chill out. I
1: really wanted to go to brunch on Sunday, and I just was like, you know what? I can't do it. I've had enough. I've had enough. God, I love so these people. Funny. I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, so time to wrap it up yeah huh, that Ted? was fun that was fun yeah uh, and I hope thanks for uh, nothing yogi T, first of all we will we will continue to share our weaknesses
0: but good earth Chinese proverb helped us out
1: yeah and uh hopefully hopefully this was stirring for other folks for you all listening uh, and let us know what you think yeah hey if you
0: want like right after this podcast you could just take a couple of minutes to sit in silence and see what that does for you like right. Now. How am I going to give them further directions? <laughs> okay, I didn't think about that well. well. We'll do that later. We'll start that later. Okay.
1: And I was going to say, and if you've got other people around you, get them to join you. Try that out. See what happens. Ramp Go it up. crazy. Let the silt settle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's wrap this up, Ted. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening everybody. And, Thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you the next time around.
0: Episode number 14, In the Can.
1: In the Can. Uh, Silence in the Can. Silence in the Can. That is something to sell. Silence in a Can. If you could bottle silence or can it and you just open it up. Open up a can of silence? Yeah, instead of going... It would be like... (laughs) Not not quite as satisfying.
0: (laughs) It's not as great when our listening audience at home can't see you miming, opening up a... Yeah, it's also one of those... One of those dough. For me, it looked like you were opening up a a can of dough. Sure. But it's a can of silence.
1: Right. And I'm thinking about how often sound is reinforcing to us, right? So you know you've done something. Because of the
0: sound. It's why they put the the camera click on the iPhone. That's right. Yeah. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. We do have some news for you. Which is that our retreat, our next retreat is going to be in June,
1: and we've switched the dates a little bit.
0: Just we've just shoved them a little bit.
1: It was going to be seventh to the twelfth. It's nope. going to be ninth to the fourteenth. Nine to
0: fourteen, June nine to fourteen. So we hope that if you are on the east coast, ha- or could be on the east coast, or have friends on the east coast, let them know about it. It's at beautiful Mere Point, Maine, on the coast
1: yes. of Maine. a peninsula that uh, stretches out into Casco Bay, just outside of Brunswick.
0: It's it's let so so beautiful.
1: It's almost unfathomable. And the so.
0: food is so delicious. I mean, it's really such a treat to go there.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, a heads up that uh, we expect our next podcast will include uh, Patricia Ryan Madsen.
0: Yeah, who's... she's going to be our special guest. Who is like the the godmother of so many th- so many things improv here in the Bay Area, but also she wrote a book called Improv Wisdom. Don't prepare, just show up. And it is outstanding. It's about applying the principles of improvisation to your to your life.
1: And uh, uh, we've got some. I've got some good questions for her, but you know, she's. Uh, I have
0: only bad questions. That's for
1: her. good. And we need to have some crappy ones. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll pull my weight on that end of things.
1: And she's. She's really fun to talk with. Uh, always inspiring to sit and chat with her. So yeah. we're going to do that. Uh, yeah. So there's your in teaser. We're excited about it. We're t- you're teased to consider yourself teased.
0: Uh, I think that's all we got. If, uh, as always, if you have any thoughts about what you're hearing or or responses to what's going on or questions, we would love to hear from you at info at monsterbabypodcast com.
1: Amen to that. And uh, we will also be doing a mailbag. We're going to do a yeah. little, uh, maybe a. What do we call it? A mini monster? Monster mini? Monster mini. Where we uh, respond to some of the questions and thoughts we've gotten. We've gotten.
0: So if you want yours to be in there, send it on in.
1: Keep it coming. Thanks for listening. We love you. Uh, Be well.
0: See you later.